Hello and a warm welcome to Living Fabulously with Bev. The mission for this show is to get to the heart of well-being through inspirational stories of everyday people, expert insights from a number of health and lifestyle-related disciplines, and exploration of topics that underpin well-being. If you want to take control of your well-being and prioritize yourself, then this is the podcast for you. I want you to feel calm, nurtured and inspired so you can enjoy your life and your success. Do you have a chronic illness and are overwhelmed with advice or conflicting information? My book, Hope in a Dark Tunnel, gives you actionable steps to create your path back to well-being and positivity, hope and resilience without false promises. Head to www.hopeinadarktunnel.com. Join me on this journey and let's live the fab life together. Welcome to you. (laughs) Awesome. So happy to see you. Yes, and me too. So let's get going with this conversation because I know it's going to be so juicy. So thank you, first of all, for being with me. But, you know, I just want to explain to people how we met. So we started doing our branding for our websites two years ago. Do you realize it's two years already? (sighs) Time just flies. (laughs) (laughs) and we were having such fun with Jenna Sword, you know, doing our branding, and I was so in awe of Tracy's brand because she was having all this fun, developing all this fun, and here I was, beachy and laid back, and then, you know, everybody's brand worked out perfectly for their particular thing, so, um, yeah, if you, if you, I'll maybe put your link in the in the show notes here because I just love your brand. It's just got such a high vibe. So thanks for being with me today. And let's Absolutely. tell everybody about who you are and what it is that you do. Of course. So my name is Tracy Outsuka, and I am the creator of Cortography, which is a six-step analytical patent pending system that helps you build your own personal blueprint so you finally discover who you are, what's important to you, what, where the neighborhood of your purpose is and, you know, where that lives and bottom line, what to do with your life. And I created it because I could never find it. So I have done a million different careers. I'm an attorney. I um, had a high-end women's wear company where 60% of our business was Saks, Neiman's and Nordstrom. I worked for at least a decade as a real estate broker, and I represented dozens of banks all over the country when the market, the real estate market here in the States went to hell. Um, And I had done all these things and I liked them, but I still had this sense of wanting to live to my full potential and I hadn't gotten there yet. And so, you know, literally for decades, I had been reading, you know, dozens of books. I had attended all kinds of workshops. I had... Um, what else did I do? I, I met with a career counselor early on decades ago in my career. I met with a coach and I, st- I took every personality test and all they ever focused on is where I fit in. And it just, oh, you know, it was okay, but it wasn't enough. I wanted to know exactly who I was, why I was here and what I was meant to do with my life. And so that's how cartography came about. I couldn't find it. So I thought, screw it. I'm going to create it. Yeah, awesome. And that's why when I got to the part of my book, so we'd covered, you know, a number of areas of getting to a point of well-being, I realized that one thing that helps us feel vibrant and alive is when we're living on purpose. And that's why I reached out to you and asked you if you would contribute to the book. And 
it was absolutely amazing. You know, the wisdom that you were able to share in that small amount of space allocated in the book. You know, I even had my editor comment on that section. Oh. So it is absolutely gold. So people have got that to look forward to when they choose to buy Hope in a Dark Tunnel. So Tracy, you know, you talk about the neighborhood of your purpose. Can you just explain that a bit more? You know, well, people say we find our purpose. I don't believe that you find your purpose. I believe it was always there. It's been there from the time you were born. And so what you need to do is, so what happens is you step into your purpose. It was always there. And when I say, the reason I use the term neighborhood of your purpose is because I think, especially when um, people are younger, they just have this sense that I need to know what my purpose is. And you're too young. So the best we can do is get you to the neighborhood of your purpose. And then you need to test. You need to try different things. You need to really come back to, well, how does that feel? We all have this rudder inside of ourselves. And when we get in the neighborhood of our purpose, we feel lit up. We feel excited. We feel like we're right where we need to be. And so that's why I use the term the neighborhood of your purpose, because you know, and even when we're older, sometimes it's really hard to say, this is your purpose. We need more experiences or we need something that we think is awful to happen to us, like chronic illness, right? You can look at that as, oh my gosh, this is what's happening to me. Like, why is this happening to me? Or you can look at it as, well, maybe this is happening for me. Maybe this is what I've always been meant to do because your purpose, the definition is basically your passion with a side of service attached. What that means is what do you love? What could you do all day, every day? And then how can you help someone not go through what you had to go through or maybe go through what you went through at a lesser level? And so that's, you know, that's kind of, I can't remember what your question is, but that's where I was going. (laughs) (laughs) And that's exactly when we were talking about, you know, what area, how are we going to cover this in such a short space? That was what our conversation really knuckled down for me, is that nobody wants to attract an illness in any shape or form. But for me, if my body hadn't stopped me in my tracks, I would not be able to have written this book. And I'm saying written because I still have a cognitive deficit. And I overcame that by realizing I needed to get this book out. So knowing that this is my purpose is to actually use this experience and support other people not to have to go through what I went through. And yet I found a way. So I actually dictated my book to Google Document by closing my eyes and just talking from my heart using a mind map first though, so it had some structure. And then I did the reverse when I did the full edit. I used Word document to play it back. So thank you so much for just reminding me that, you know, when you are in that place of living on purpose, it just really feels right. And, you know, the obstacles that come are just little blimps. They're not insurmountable. Um, I could have stopped. I could have decided not to write this book because it felt too hard. But we wouldn't be having this conversation today. No, No, absolutely. And that, you know, that's my point. I mean, without this chronic illness, there would be no book. 
from Bev. There would be no TED Talks from Bev. There would be no, you know, speaking all over the world from Bev. And that's honestly what I see. So it's, it really has allowed you to step into who you really are. And oh my gosh, just even if you just help one person, which I know you'll help many, many more, it's what gives our life meaning. And ultimately, we can make all the money, we can have, you know, all the fame, all the notoriety. If we don't have meaning, it's just not enough. And that's so true. I actually read something and don't know how true it is, but that Steve Jobs had so much regret when he was dying of cancer because he had made all this money. He'd spent so much time in his career and yet he hadn't paid attention to other things and had no joy. So, yeah, I mean, he was probably feeling driven around something, but it maybe wasn't, it wasn't enough. So that's really good to know. So Tracy, we're talking also about health today. So Mm -hmm. what are some of the non-negotiables, non-negotiables, because you're incredibly vibrant, you know, you're so alive. I just love being in your company. Thank you. What's non-negotiable for you to stay healthy? Well, I have the opposite problem that most people do. I have too much energy. And what that means is that I can just start, I have ADHD and I can just start spinning and I can't get out of my own way and I just have too many thoughts and I can't slow them down. So the non-negotiables for me, the number one thing is working out. I literally jump out of bed and I I have a gym in my house. I go right to the gym. I do at least a half an hour of something aerobic and then I do weights. And that dissipates a lot of the energy But then beyond that, it also um, allows me, I don't meditate. I don't do any of that. I've tried. What I do instead is I listen to something inspirational. I listen to someone inspirational, a podcast, an audio book, something like that while I am doing this every day. And that is a non-negotiable because that allows my brain to kind of slow down. I guess the dopamine gets fired and my brain is able to slow down and I'm able to concentrate better. And I just don't have all these thoughts all over the place. So I would say that's a non-negotiable nature. And I'm not a, I am not a go backpacking hike. you know, my idea of, (laughs) my idea of nature is, you know, going to the Owani, which is in Yosemite and it's a really nice hotel. I mean, that's as far as I get. (laughs) What for me, nature is, is I live on six and a half acres in the country For me, nature is flowers, it's trees, it's birds, it's blue sky. I don't know what I'm going to do when I have to move to a smaller, you know, like a neighborhood with just a little tiny backyard. And at some point I'm going to have to because it is so much work here and I'm kind of sick of that. But when I feel stuck, that's the first thing I do. I have these giant, they're made in Germany, these giant plastic containers, but they're bags and they have a wire around them. So they stand up and I've got one in my back because I do all the, well, I do all the pretty gardening. My husband does like the serious stuff. And then we have someone, I don't know, every other month who comes too. but I have these huge bags on in each of the gardens and I have, you know, gardening gloves and everything in the kitchen. And I will take 10 minutes, no more than 10 minutes. And I will go out there and I will prune roses or whatever. And that right away, just, it makes me happy. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think what else. Yeah. Cause you've done some live videos walking on your property <laughs> and it's just so beautiful to out there. Yeah. It's, I, I pinch myself. We, we have an acre and a half pond and 
um, when we bought this home, it literally looked like a mobile home on this property. And we just bought it because of the grounds and they weren't developed. There was nothing. It was just fields and this acre and a half pond. But sometimes, not sometimes, every morning I wake up, it's, it's you know, I've lived here since 2000. So 18, almost 18 years. And so it's really easy to just assume it's there, you know, to just sort of like, ah, it's no big deal. And I make a concerted effort every morning to look out and say, wait a minute, you live here. And, you know, then you see the geese with their little goslings, you know, going across the pond. And I'm, I feel really, really lucky that I'm here. And I think I'm here for my mental health. (laughs) Yes, this is, this is, I think this is the thing is, so in my book, I actually talk about four aspects of health because a lot of us focus on the physical when we're ill, you know, because there is a physical element to illness. But there's definitely your mental health is just as vital as your physical health. So is your emotional health and your soulful health. So being out there in that fresh air, feeling the joy of working with your roses, being with your animals, you know, those kinds of things, all of those feed the soul and feed the mental health, the emotional health. So it's wonderful. So you've actually encapsulated a couple of things in there. And I was wondering too, what would a fabulous day look like to you? You know, so, you know, if you could just paint the picture of a day that really is, you know, makes you feel alive. So my first response would be, you know, I'd be with my family, we'd be out in nature, but really as much as I love that, you know, my kids, my husband, friends, whatever, I think if I had to say what would be the best day, the best days for me are days where, where I feel proud of myself. I don't know how else to say it. I think that that is probably the best feeling that you can have because when you are proud of yourself, it means you did something outside of your comfort zone that you didn't think you could do, like write a book and actually, you know, make sure that it gets published, which I know, Bev, without a shadow of a doubt, that's going to happen. I know it. It's going to happen. It's the proud part because when you make yourself proud, that means you're growing your confidence. That means you then can do the next scary thing. And you start to, at least in my brain, I start to crave that feeling. And so it's constantly making me push the envelope a little bit more, a little bit at a time. So I think my best day is when I do things where I'm really proud of myself. That's true, you know, and you talking about, acknowledgement of self not external acknowledgement because that's also where you can get a disconnect with your well-being where you're looking for external acknowledgement of you know what you're doing as well so I'm glad that you said that it's when you feel proud of yourself so that's beautiful that you and I think if you know as women we sent we I think we tend to be pretty hard on ourselves and so if we can find those moments in the day, and that is one of the practices that I also teach, is that at the end of every day is find something to celebrate because yeah. you do have you have done something well. You have done something out of your comfort zone. You have completed something that was needing to be done. So, you know, we always have a to-do list that's longer than what our day could possibly <laughs> include. Yeah. And so if we just pause and, as you say, find something that we're proud of, that gives us the the um, momentum, I think, to to strive for something else in the in the next day. So that's Absolutely. amazing. 
And Sandra Sensorino, I must just say, she oh, yeah, said yeah. she's meditated 642 oh, straight just... days. Isn't she amazing? <laughs> Whatever Sandra Santorino decides she's going to do, she literally can't stop. I think that's OCD, Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's funny. If you were to sort of suggest to somebody who's listening and they feel, well, like, I just haven't found that passion of mine that I can kind of get into the neighborhood of my purpose. Is there any one or two things you could suggest that they that we could leave them with today? Yeah, I mean, you have to try things. Passion doesn't always just walk up to you and bite you on the bottom, right? You really have to try things. And so my advice, if you just, you don't even know where to start, I would literally start with your childhood. Pull out a piece of paper and start making a list. When in your childhood did you just feel totally lit up excited, like you were exactly where you needed to be. And then I would start making a list and go from your childhood to your young adult years, to your, you know, if your middle age years, to your current years. And then I would look and see what do all those times that you remember, we call them, um, what do we call them? Better than a martini feeling. <laughs> Just, you know, that cocktail, the cocktail branding that I have. Um, and then you circle, what is it that all those times have in common? And look and see, what are you doing? Are you in nature? Are you always with animals? Are you with people? Who are you helping? Start asking yourself these questions and then figure out where all those little areas intersect and then start testing in those areas and doing things, volunteer, you know, buy a book, read, you know, anything you can do in that area. And then pay attention to how you're feeling. If you get that same lit up feeling where you're excited and you want to know more and you could do it all day, every day, do more of it. And what you're going to do is you're kind of constantly, you are going to constantly follow the good feeling. So you feel good doing this. Okay. Then move up a little bit to the right. Do you feel better doing this, which is an offshoot of that? No, that doesn't feel so good. Then move back down to the side. And you're going to constantly be testing, looking for that better feeling. Mm, that's, that's what I could suggest if you don't know where to start. That's really helpful. And I guess it's never too late to start, is it? Ever, 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 ever. I think a lot of women, too, they have kids and their kids actually, they think their kids are their purpose, but... If they're anything like me, no, your kids are the vehicle that you use at the time to live your, they're your passion and you're using it to live your purpose, but they are not your purpose. And then our kids get older and you start realizing, oh, they're going to go out of the house. They're going to go to college. And that's when I think a lot of women start, you know, looking at their life and saying, well, wait a minute, I'm not living to my full potential now. What could I be doing? So yes, I think that definitely happens. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much for that. And thanks for being with us today. If, if you've been listening and watching along, you'll recognize that my book, Hope in a Dark Tunnel, is it's a tiny bit away from being able to be pub published. So um, you just head to www.hopeinadarktunnel.com. And, you know, you could buy it for yourself. You could gift it to someone you could, like Tiffany Sahadra has done today, she's paying it forward. She bought something and she's asked me to um, get somebody names of people who would deserve to have a book like this. I've had lots of people do all of those different things. So I'm very grateful for every participation. So 
please get behind this project and uh, let's make this book a reality. And Tracy, thanks for being with me today. Absolutely. And if anybody deserves to be able to actually create, I mean, you've already written the book, but to actually create it and see it live and it's you, Bev. I think that the world needs this book just like the world needs you. So thank you so much for doing this. And if you know anybody that suffers from a chronic, chronic illness, or even if you don't, and you just feel called to donate, I, I really, really hope that you will support Bev. She's just lovely. Mm, thank you so much. Absolutely. And uh, remember, everyone, let's live the fab life together. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. And I would love to know what you enjoyed most about this episode. You can connect with me on Facebook by searching for Living Fabulously with Bev or feel welcome to leave a message or comment on my website. You can get the links and any references from this episode in the show notes at my website www.livingfabulously.com forward slash podcasts. Do you have a friend who you think deserves to live fabulously? Spread the love around by sharing the podcast with them right now. Until next time, be sure to live the fab life. The information shared here and in our programs and webinars should not be seen as medical advice and is not meant to take the place of seeing licensed health professionals.